From WFIU in Bloomington, Indiana, I'm Kate Young, and this is Earth Eats. 62, 31%. 62, 31%. It's just the, um, the proof and then the uh, ABV. This week on Earth Eats, we hope to get you into the holiday spirit with a behind-the-scenes look at the making of a walnut liqueur. Earth Eats visits Cardinal Spirits on Bottling Day, and then we join Scott Lowe for a winter cocktail recipe. That's all coming up in the next half hour on Earth Eats. Hello, Renee. Do you have some news for us? Yes, I do, Kate. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention announced this week that 35 more people have been infected with an E. coli strain, adding to the 67 cases reported on November 26. The Food and Drug Administration and the CDC are investigating outbreaks in 23 states. The top culprit is romaine lettuce, harvested in Salinas, California, but investigators are looking into possible links with other products. The FDA advised that romaine lettuce not labeled with location information should be discarded just to be safe. Warnings about lettuce cropped up last month when health officials linked illnesses to salads packed by a food company in New Jersey using romaine lettuce from Salinas Valley. Health officials first warned people not to eat lettuce from Salinas on November 22nd. The CDC's updated announcement asked distributors to hold the lettuce for the remainder of the growing season. The FDA said that romaine lettuce grown outside Salinas has not been implicated, adding that hydroponic and greenhouse romaine grown indoors is not related to the outbreak. Food safety advocates say lettuce has a higher tendency to carry E. coli because it lacks any rinds or peels to stave off bacteria, and nooks and crannies on fragile leaves make it harder to wash surfaces thoroughly. Farm income is at $92 billion this year, thanks to $14 billion in market facilitation program payments. That's a six-year high and up 10% from just one year ago. Direct government payments account for 31% of farm income this year. The scale of the farm rescue package is now more than twice the cost of the auto industry bailouts under Presidents George W. Bush and Barack Obama. And some experts think the cost of the payments is higher than the cost incurred by the trade war. Who receives the payments and how much they get is also up for debate among experts. In general, the bailout payments favor larger producers. Payments ranged from as little as $2 for some small-scale farmers to more than $1 million each for some corporate agricultural enterprises. Farmers in the bottom 80% received an average of less than $5,000. Almost 40% of projected U.S. farm profits this year will come from the government in some form, whether through trade aid, disaster assistance, federal subsidies, and insurance payments. This large amount of money has some wondering if the bailout payments are a prop in garnering the rural vote. While the payments are helping some cash-strapped farmers, experts are saying the effects of the trade war could result in huge long-term losses for the market as overseas customers build relationships with replacement suppliers. The bailout payments do not account for future losses. That's our news this week. Thanks to Taylor Killo and Chad Bouchard. And thanks to you, Renee Reed. You're welcome, Kate.
So each bottle has two labels. Yep. Got a front and the back. Butts up against here and press it against this face here. And Cardinal Spirits is a craft distillery in Bloomington, Indiana. A favorite wintertime spirit is their Nochino. I spoke with co-founder Adam Quirk in late October of 2018 to find out more about this walnut liqueur. We're bottling Nochino today, which is a uh, traditional Italian liqueur. We, it's made with green walnuts, so it's basically walnuts that are harvested before they're actually ripe. We actually harvest all of these up in Fort Wayne. My wife's family has a grove of a few walnut trees, and it's a specific kind of tree. A lot of what we see around Indiana is black walnut, and we've actually used a few different kinds in our development. Turns out the black walnut is uh, somewhat astringent when you use it as a nochino base. So we've started using my wife's family trees, and it it's an English walnut, so it's kind of like the walnuts that you actually use for cooking or food, or you know the walnuts you buy at the store. It's also known as Carpathian walnut or Persian walnut. So it's basically it's a similar tree, a little bit less bitter, a little less astringent, and more nutty, earthy flavor. I have walnuts littering my yard too, but yeah, those the black walnuts. Uh, are good for a lot of things, but not necessarily the best for this. And I th- I've actually had black, black walnut nochino before from other distillers. It's just a different product. I think that there's some people want that sort of astringency and bitterness. It's just what we're going for was a more a warmer, earthier, softer flavor. We always harvest the week of the 4th of July. That's kind of our own little tradition in in Italy. Traditionally, it's the Feast of St. Michael, which is the third week of June, so it's close. The week of the 4th of July is when I always go up there anyway, because my wife's family has a a big 4th of July party. So I've been going up there for eight years now, and now I bring up all of our uh, Cardinal Spirits. A lot of Cardinal Spirits staff comes up with me. We just throw some ladders up against the tree. Some of us climb into the trees. It's pretty fun. You harvest them when they're about the size of, I would say, like uh, between a golf ball and a racquetball. They're all very bright green. And yeah, you, you take them, you quarter them with a butcher's knife or some kind of sort of hefty knife. You can't just slice right through them. But they're definitely not as hard as like a shelled walnut that you would harvest right now when it's they're, they're dropping, right? So they're still soft. Uh, the inside looks a lot like a brain. It's really weird. It's like a little translucent brain inside. You quarter them and then you drop them into the spirit and we use our vodka. We actually distill a white grape base vodka and that's what we use for most of our spirits. Our, our vodkas, our gins, our liqueurs are all made with this same fermentation that we do here. The walnuts sit in the, in the vodka for almost three months, infusing and extracting all these interesting flavors. And right about now, our distiller, he tastes Starting in October, he's tasting every few days to make sure that it's coming along at the right right time, and, and he, he decides, he tells us basically when it's time to bottle. Since these are not the common black walnuts found all over Indiana, I wanted to hear more about the trees. The trees were originally from the family farm in western Ohio. When Jessica, my wife's grandpa, moved over here, he took a couple of these trees with him, planted them in Fort Wayne. One of them ended up dying, and then one of them has turned into all these other trees. The trees themselves are, are pretty old now. They're uh, 50, 
50 years old. And, and I've been looking pretty hard actually for the past couple of years to find others because as this product grows in popularity, we need more and more walnuts. We really stripped them pretty bare this year. We got almost all of the green walnuts off. We took a, a lot of ladders and a lot of people, but still we're only gonna be able to make under 300 cases. So if we could find more English or Carpathian walnut trees, we could make more product. If there's listeners out there that have English walnut trees, 99% of them would have black walnut. If they happen to have this other one, uh, yeah, get in touch with us. <laughs> well, there's also something charming, I think, about it being a limited edition product. Yeah, the romantic inside me wants, it to, wants to keep it very limited, and the business owner wants me to make as many as I can, right? Because there's, there's a lot of demand for it. We sell out, you know, so it's, it's nice to have. It's never going to be a product that's as widely distributed as our vodka, which is in 11 states. It's, it's more of a, this is a local product. We, we only sell it to a, uh, you know, a handful of accounts here in the state and a couple accounts out of state. It's truly a, a craft artist and spirit and it's fun to make. Before tasting this spirit at Cardinal, I'd never heard of Nuccino. I was curious about the history. Co-founder Rick Dietz was the one who found the original recipe and he spent a lot of time working on finding traditional Italian recipes and then kind of combining them and translating them into English and then combining them into the, the recipe that we use today. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a product that goes back uh, hundreds of years. It's in, in Italy, it's very much a, a family thing. It's not, it's not a product that you would necessarily see bottled and labeled in like a liquor store. It's more of a thing that every farm might produce. Every family might have their own little batch and their own little recipe. Every time we harvest, the next day we bring all the nuts into the distillery. We put a call out on social media for volunteers to come in. We feed them and give them a couple cocktails after the knife work. <laughs> and yeah, it's a lot of fun that we set up some tables, give everyone a quick lesson in, in what, the, what to do, and then everyone walks away with very dark, brown black fingers because of the oils and the compounds the tannins and the nut really does stain the outside is very bright green almost chartreuse the inside is you know this creamy white uh, translucent flesh and then you you know you slice through it and really within an hour or so it does start turning dark brown it's oxidizing all these tannins in the flesh of the walnut and so once you put it in the, in the liquid it starts turning the liquid different colors it starts you know turning this nice tan tannish bourbon color and then it goes really really dark to the point where after a month or so you can't see through it it's really viscous oily looking stuff and what does it smell like in here when that's going on it's amazing. So the green walnuts have this really resinous smell. It smells like if you scratch a spruce tree or something. It's resinous. It's, it's got a little bit of a minty smell, almost like lemongrass. It really doesn't smell or taste anything like the finished product, Nochino. So once you put it in the liquid and let it sit for a while, it really does just completely transform. So it's just an infusion, like you're not heating it or putting it through any other kind of process. No, it's all just, just sits in the in the tank at room temperature. It's not agitated, it's not heated, it just takes time.
How much of it are you making these days? This is the biggest harvest we had. We're going to get almost 300 cases of six bottles each, so 1,800 bottles. It's the biggest one yet, but still it's a very, very small batch compared to everything else we do. And I saw some photos where it was steeping in these beautiful glass vessels. Is that still how you do it? Yeah, those uh, those were carboys that we had in my basement in 2013. So <laughs> that was when Rick and I uh, were doing recipe development. So back before we even had a facility, we were doing all this stuff in my basement, some of it more legal than others, but most of it legally. Uh, and infusing and infusing things at home is, is obviously legal. So when you start distilling things, it's not. <laughs> so those were photos from the early days, from just recipe development. Yeah, yeah. So those are all 10-gallon carboys. Now we infuse in 270-gallon stainless steel totes. They've also stepped up their bottling operations. These days, when the Nicino is ready in late October, early November, they set up the bottling machine and assemble the crew. So what are the steps? You start with a clean bottle. Clean bottles here, and they're stacked up, palletized. These are going to get stickers on the front and the back. You've got the stickers? I've got the stickers. My man here's got the, uh, the pen. He's writing the percentage of the proof. Little gold marker here, write the proof and then the percentage right after that. And it goes up on the rack for the bottle. The bottle filler does six bottles at a time. And I have to say, it's a thing of beauty to see that dark amber liquid pouring into those gleaming bottles. I'm putting the caps on the bottles by hand, and then we've got little plastic shrink wraps that we put over each cap, and then we seal them up with a heat gun. They're moving at a pretty fast clip. I find Justin Huey, the head distiller at Cardinal, to follow up on a few questions I, I have, have about the Nocino. Water, but I can talk and do that at the same time. <laughs> uh, how did you know the Nocino was ready for bottling? Really with Nocino, the longer it sits, the better those flavors all kind of meld and, and become one. Basically as much time as I can get it to sit before bottling. So it's ready because, you know, this is when you traditionally release it. We steep the walnuts for like 40 days. And then we, we add star anise, we add orange peel, we add vanilla and allspice. And you're adding the vanilla and allspice sort of as a whole bean or? Yeah, the vanilla is whole bean vanilla. Uh, same thing with the allspice. It's all just botanicals, um, no extracts, no nothing, just the raw thing. The vodka's doing the extracting. Exactly, yeah, yeah. All this talk about how it's made, how long it steeps, the botanicals, it's fascinating. But maybe you're wondering how to enjoy Nocino once it's finally ready. Well, it's just one of those spirits that you, you really don't have to do anything with. You know, like a bourbon, you can just pour it and have it neat. But then it's also so great for cocktailing. So it's this really versatile spirit. That's Erica Sagone, the marketing and content director at Cardinal Spirits. Last year, my, my absolute favorite thing to do with it is to make eggnog nocino. That's only two ingredients. It's eggnog and it's nocino. I like the eggnog from Trader's Point Creamery up in Zionsville. That stuff is magical. And I feel like when you get that and you put a splash of nocino in it, it's, it's just a drink that no one can turn down. Everyone's like, oh, no, I don't, I don't really like eggnog. And you're like, no, just try this. <laughs> the nocino sour is really excellent, too, just like a great, wonderful, rich fall drink without being heavy. Nocino sour, we've got nocino and sweet vermouth 
demerara syrup, and lemon juice. You can also put egg white in it like a traditional sour and some bitters and you just shake that up really well with some ice, strain it into a coupe. You might add a lemon peel for a garnish and it's a great spirit forward drink with, without, tasting, without tasting too much liquor. Just a really great easy drinking cocktail. Adam Quirk has another way to enjoy Nocino. So Rick brought it to my house back before we even had a name for the company, I think. And he had been making it himself for a couple years. I tasted it neat. It was something I had never tasted before. It was very um, uh, rich. It had a lot of different flavors going on. And then he said, okay, now pour it over this vanilla ice cream. <laughs> and that was a, that was a little mind altering. It was like, wow, this is crazy. Like it was, it just completely changed the flavor of the actual uh, liqueur. And I, I just thought to myself, well, everyone should try this at least once in their life because it was so good. I prefer my Nocino neat. It's perfect for sipping on cold winter nights. But then again, I haven't tried it over vanilla ice cream yet. I can't wait. Find photos of the Nocino making process and cocktail recipes on our website. We'll also guide you to more information about Cardinal Spirits. That's eartheats.org. And after a short break, we have another cocktail recipe featuring Nocino. Production support comes from Bill Brown at Griffey Creek Studio, architectural design and consulting for residential, commercial, and community projects. Sustainable, energy positive, and resilient design for a rapidly changing world. Bill at GriffeyCreek.studio. Elizabeth Rue, enrolled agent with Personal Financial Services, assisting businesses and individuals with tax preparation and planning for over 15 years. More at PersonalFinancialServices.net and insurance agent Dan Williamson of Bill Resch Insurance, offering comprehensive auto, business, and home coverage in affiliation with Pekin Insurance. Beyond the expected. More at The story you just heard about Nocino at Cardinal Spirits is from last fall. I returned to Cardinal this fall, and Scott Lowe shared another Nocino cocktail recipe with me. This year, the green English walnuts, the ones Adam talked about harvesting up in Fort Wayne to make the Nocino, they weren't available. Since Cardinal likes to keep their spirits locally sourced, they decided not to make the Nocino this year. So they're just getting by on reserves from last year. Here's the Indiana sales manager and guest bartender for Cardinal Spirits, Scott Lowe, sharing one of the Nocino recipes he enjoys making this time of year. This is a rum walnut Alexander, so it's a riff on a brandy Alexander. And instead of using the brandy, I'm using um, our Lake House spiced rum and the Cardinal Nocino. 
using a little bit of uh, heavy cream and some demerara syrup, which is a heavy molasses forward syrup. It's a one-to-one -one syrup, simple syrup. And to start, I'm going to use two ounces of the Lake House rum, which is a spiced rum, spiced forward rum. We use a lot of cinnamon and clove, and we also use a ton of citrus. We use dried citrus uh, peel, mainly, mainly orange peel. And on the second distillation, we use fresh orange peel. So it gives a nice citrus background to it. So two ounces of the Lake House rum, and then I'm going to use one ounce of the walnut liqueur, the Nocino. And this spirit by itself just to me screams winter, cold weather, just because of the nice warming spices of clove and cinnamon and a little bit of lemon peel. But uh, just to sit by itself by a fire is just as satisfactory to me as, as it is like maybe a brandy or cognac. But this is such a super, super cool spirit. I'm going to use one ounce of heavy cream. This is the classic traditional ingredient in a brandy, in an Alexander. And then I'm going to use one half ounce of the Demerara syrup. And then I'm going to add ice to our shaker tin. <laughs> I'm going to shake this for about 20 seconds just to get a nice dilution and, and just to chill it really, really well. place my Hawthorne strainer on top of the shaker tin and I'm going to double strain because even especially with cream based drinks if it gets diluted too quickly it's just it just is a, a watery mess and I'm using a coupe glass for this which is a type of martini glass or a cordial glass it's a little bit larger than a cordial glass uh, but it's a coupe glass that is very popular in uh, strain cocktails that are especially like an Alexander. And I'm going to take a little duster of nutmeg and I'm going to place a piece of paper over half of the coupe glass and I'm going to dust one half of the cocktail with nutmeg. And the nutmeg is going to have a very nice warming quality as well as very nice Aroma. Aroma. <laughs> Thank you. And that uh, is the rum walnut Alexander. Well, that is so beautiful. I love that design of the dusting of nutmeg across the top. It's really nice. And it's so simple. It's so simple to be just a little creative uh, with your garnishes. Um, it doesn't have to be anything extravagant or spectacular, just something really simple. But like just doing it over the half of the glass just has a nice eye appeal to it. And I always like to go in. When I'm, when I'm taking a first sip of this particular cocktail because you're gonna nose the nutmeg first before you drink, and that's another thing with cocktails. As you think of cocktails, think of how a chef approaches his food in the same way. He uses the finest ingredients, um, and you're also eating first when you sit down. You eat when your plate arrives with your eyes first before you actually even taste it. And that's pretty important in a cocktail as well. Do you mind if I try it? <laughs> Please do. Well, nutmeg is my very favorite spice of all. That is so nice. <laughs> the the nocino really comes it's, alive with the cream. I agree, and I and I I was kind of 
interested to see the biggest thing I was interested in this cocktail was to see how the Lake House rum was going to play with the Nocino since they both have such strong flavors on their own. And sometimes we have t two spirits that are very complex on their own. That they don't marry well together. But I think with the cream and, 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 the, and, the, and the Demerara bringing it, kind of tying it all together, you can still taste the rum qualities and the citrus and the, and the orange peel in the rum. And you can also taste that, that, that clove with, with the Nocino. Yeah, I'm familiar with the Nocino, but not with the rum so much. But I'm definitely tasting something different, and mm -hmm. it's probably that yeah. um, almost an orange or something. Yeah, definitely. There's a dry and, and and fresh orange peel in the distillation process of the of the Lake House rum. But that's something that we wanted to achieve with the rum too. But a lot of the mass-produced rums have you know artificial colors, and they're very sickeningly sweet. Uh, we wanted to avoid all that. We wanted to be very f spice forward, and and let the spices kind of speak for themselves in the rum and not have it to be really super sweet. I wanted to hear more about the process of infusing the spices into the spirits. So we have what is called a botanical basket, a metal basket. And what we do is we take a bunch of different botanicals, depending on what we're distilling at the time. For the rum, we are using, um, we're usually definitely using a lot of orange peel and we're definitely using a lot of lemon peel. We do uh, vanilla, cardamom, cinnamon, black pepper and then we have a secret ingredient that uh, we just can't really give out but so we take all those different botanicals in their purest natural form spices and then we run our this basically let's rum is going to be a sugarcane base everything else that we do pretty much at the distillery is using our vodka base so this is going to be using our sugarcane base which is all rums we run the liquid through the columns and as the column passes over the last as the liquid passes over the last column it infuses with the different botanicals and aromatics, and then vapor locks itself, and then becomes uh, that's becomes the rum. We we were fortunate enough to have a three-column still, uh, a copper still that we that we love to use, and that's kind of what is unique to making our spirits. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. This is great. That was Scott Lowe with a recipe for a walnut rum Alexander. I'm Kate Young, and you'll find that recipe and many more on the Earth Eats website at eartheats.org. That's it for the show. Thanks for tuning in this week, and we'll see you next time. Cheers. team includes Ayoban Binder, Chad Bouchard, Mark Chilla, Abraham Hill, Taylor Killo, Josephine McRobbie, Daniel Orr, the IU Food Institute, Harvest Public Media, and me, Renee Reed. Our theme music is composed by Aaron Toby and performed by Aaron and Matt Toby. Earth Eats is produced and edited by Kate Young, and our executive producer is John Bailey. Special thanks this week to Adam, Chris Dollar, Randall Siva, Rick Mellinger, Connor Grimm, Justin Huey, Erica Sagone, Scott Lowe, and everyone at Cardinal Spirits. Production support comes from insurance agent Dan Williamson of Bill Rush Insurance, offering comprehensive auto, business, and home coverage in affiliation with Pekin Insurance. 
beyond the expected. More at 812-336-6838. Bill Brown at Griffey Creek Studio, architectural design and consulting for residential, commercial, and community projects. Sustainable, energy positive, and resilient design for a rapidly changing world. Bill at GriffeyCreek.studio. And Elizabeth Rue, enrolled agent providing customized financial services for individuals, businesses, and disabled adults, including tax planning, bill paying, and estate services. More at personalfinancialservices.net.